afternoon, and welcome to a very special post-Fort McMurray Lac LaBiche by-election edition of the breakdown and at the uh, the Spaces Bar. We're going to be joined in a couple of minutes by our longtime analyst uh, and friend, Sarah Biggs, who's a PR specialist in Politico, uh, and she's going to help us deconstruct not only the results from the Ford McMurray Lacklebish by-election, which were pretty, uh, there were some very interesting pieces to that, but she's also going to help us talk about what the implications of those results are long-term. For those of you that have been following Alberta politics, which if you're listening to this either live or on the podcast version of our show, for those of you that are uh, paying attention for a while, this election, this by-election, while the results were to many people's perceptions a foregone conclusion, uh, the reality is that this now changes the dynamic of the legislature, and in particular, it changes the dynamic of the UCP at a very, very critical time for its current leader, Jason Kenney. Uh, we speculated on our last episode that, uh, well, we, we placed some bets on our last episode as to who was going to get how many how many votes. Um, the, the predictions were, were, by and large, I mean, Sarah nailed the Alberta NDP predictions. She nailed the Wild Rose Independence Party predictions and uh, nailed the Brian Jean ones. So but between the two of us, we did we did fairly, fairly well. And when Sarah gets on, we're actually going to work our way through the results and what they potentially mean for provincial parties working our way through. But there's been a couple of things that have gone on we're going to touch on uh, real quick to provide a little bit of context for for what we're talking about today. When it comes to Brian Jean, and when it comes to the current situation with the United Conservative Party, there are a lot of moving parts. Most of you probably remember just a little while ago when Brian Jean announced that he was going to be seeking the nomination for the United Conservative Party. Mr. Kenny was, let's go with reticent. Uh, about the idea. He was not a huge fan for a lot of obvious reasons about Brian Jean running. But what made things particularly interesting is Brian Jean ran specifically in part on the platform that he wanted to get rid of Jason Kenney. And it turns out that that, uh, that specific platform really seems to have resonated with the people of Fort McMurray Lac LaBiche because he absolutely crushed the results. And now we're going to be looking at the implications of Brian Jean um, sitting in the legislature, potentially on the same side of the the space as uh, as Mr. Kenny. We're now joined by Sarah Biggs, Politico analyst um spicy person sarah how are you doing i'm good how are you i'm doing i'm doing good it was uh it's been a fascinating i mean utterly predictable in most ways but it's been a fascinating couple of uh a couple of days here it's been uh very interesting so the way that i would like to sort of unpack things is let's start from the bottom of the the results and then work our way up to the top, because mm -hmm. I, I think that there's some smaller, smaller results that we can we can get out of the way. 
Yeah, we got to talk about the poor showing of the Alberta party here. Oh, we'll, get, um, we'll, we'll get there, but we got three others that we got to get through first. <laughs> okay, sure. Start start with the... Um, go ahead. Okay. Go with... Go. So, <laughs> <laughs> at the bottom of the pile, but only by one vote, the, the Independence party. party of Alberta. So they got 24 votes, which represents, of the unofficial vote, I probably legally have to say that, uh, that represents 0.4% of the votes cast. Now, it's worth noting, and we talked about this a little bit last night, Sarah, the voter turnout was yeah. so very bad abysmal yeah <laughs> we, we could do adjectives on that all day long but one of the things that i find interesting about the independence party of alberta is there were two independence party of alberta's running on the bill one of them did considerably better we're going to get to them in a sec but it seems like the independence party of party of alberta with their 24 votes seems to have relegated themselves to maybe it's time to think about folding in with the wild rose independence party of alberta sarah what do you make of the the independence party of alberta at this point they are the little cousins that are showing up once in a while and tried to participate with the party. Um, you know, I agree. It's time to go. It's time for them to um, really fold in. They're not going anywhere. Um, a lot of people running under those banners, though, are running and trying to make a point um, just to, because, well, you know, we have Larry Heather here in Calgary that loves running for every election and really tr just to really try to make a point and get himself a little bit of recognition. Um, for Mr. Mellet, um, I, I think it would be time to, for that party to really, um, look into what those, those values are and just really to fold in. It's time to go. Fair enough. One of the other well-known names in yeah. the um, uh, political scene is Marilyn Burns, and she's with the Alberta Part Advantage Party. Mm -hmm. And she only came in with one more vote than the Independence Party of Alberta. What do you make of that? Again, same thing. It's... So those numbers are so um, it's so there's probably a, so there's probably a more right on the spectrum faction that so those votes would be considered like the votes that are not in line with the UCP. They're extremely conservative. They are not in line. Um, so together, well, actually, if you count, okay, so I need to do some aggregation here. So if you do um, the Wild Rose Independence Party plus uh, the Independent plus um, the Alberta Party Advantage and the Ind Independence Party of Alberta, that is... 1.8 that is almost 13% of the vote so I think that we are seeing so last time what we have seen the, the way I see it is that it, it is really the movement the anti-Kenny movement 
that kicked in. And I would say that those parties are all little aggregates of different level of conservatism that we are noticing in the province. And those votes that could have gone to Mr. Jean have been uh, grinded away for, by several parties. So one of them, like the Alberta Advantage, uh, Advantage Party, sorry, or the Independence Party of Alberta. So I think there's around like, yeah, 14, 15% that Mr. Jean could have gotten, but the people are just in disagreement with the UCP as a whole, which is quite interesting. So we're starting to see some fracture as a whole. Um, party by party, it's a little, it's very unmaterial um, as fragmentation, but as a whole, it's it's almost 15% of the electorate here, Nate. It's, which isn't small. No, it, it is not small. That's That's almost the same share of the vote that the NDP got, but we'll get to that. Um, Brian here, who is an independent, I have to be honest, I have not looked at, at his platform or really any of his, um, stuff. So, I mean, 1%, he, he got double the votes of both the, ad, uh, advantage party of Alberta and the independence party of Alberta. So, yeah, well, Mr. Deheer is usually, uh, under the green party banner, oh, okay. but they decided that for some strategic reason they would not um the green party would not be running um a candidate up there for the by-election so that's where it comes from okay after that we have uh michelle lansiedel uh, mm -hmm. with the alberta party now i gotta say compared to the provincial polling for the Alberta party, because now we're starting to get into more sort of the air quotes, historically mainstream parties. Um, but uh, this is, an imp I'm going to say, an impressively weak showing for the Alberta party. It's considerably under where they performed in the last election in that area. Um, Mich uh, Michelle did, judging on her social media, did do quite a bit of campaigning. The leader of the, Al the Alberta party, uh, Barry Morshida, was up there. And he uh, was posting and campaigning there. And they still only walked away with 98 votes representing 1.7% of the party. Yeah. Uh, where, did, where did the Alberta party go wrong, Sarah? So uh, it was Mr. Morishida's first election. It was unfortunately in Ford McMurray like Labish. Um, and I. So last night, interestingly enough, I was on a panel with the president of the Alberta Party, with Sue. And she said that this by election was a good time to test their messaging and new strategies and to see how it was working. So, which is an interesting choice to do. Uh, usually we don't see in dry, uh, a by-election as a dry run. Um, so that was an interesting approach. Um, but it just shows on how much of a revamp and a hard reset this party needs. Um, but unfortunately, I'm not surprised by the poor showing of the Alberta party this time around, because it is in Fort McMurray, Lac La Biche. It is Brian Jean's territory. Uh, and there's much, much more conservative people up there than they could be into, let's say, for example, Calgary Elbow. 
uh, it's a much different demographic, voter demographic up there. Much, much, much different. And really, we haven't really heard about the Alberta Party for the last, since the beginning of the pandemic. But that being being said, like, um, the Alberta Party has a, an actual, like, leader. (laughs) They do. You you take a look um, in the, the background and just above the Alberta party with more than double their votes, they were able to get uh, the, the Alberta liberal party, which yeah. w- I would not be the party that I would have like, if, if you'd asked me to predict whether or not the Alberta party or the liberal party would have a stronger showing in this by-election, I would have, I would have said the Alberta party would have a stronger showing than the liberals. And yet the liberals more than doubled the, the votes of the, the Alberta party. Mm-hmm. And they don't have, a a full-term leader they have a a a temporary leader yeah well the uh, the alberta liberals have a very faithful base okay and yeah so what happens is that the people are voting for the alberta liberals have been alberta liberals for the past 30 years so it's a different age demographic um sometimes a young demographic but it's um, i would say it's small the it's more of the old timers uh, that are participating into that election voting for them um don't forget that a long time ago um the liberals managed to flip that seat on the federal election that's true so there's still some liberals up there but it is a very established based base and they won't be going higher than that okay next up we've got paul hinman which a lot of people and i know you were very watching closely with the wilderness independence party of alberta this is the the conservative party for those for whom none of the other conservative parties are conservative enough effectively uh and they walked away with almost 11 percent of the vote which i i think I, I mentioned in the the introduction to this um is pretty much what you predicted isn't it it is why yeah, what why did they do so well so what we are seeing right now so I think that the way, like I was saying earlier, I think the way that the um, the election votes split up yesterday are starting to show um, the split in the party. So there's a lot of people who are done, done, done with the UCP because there's a lot of things that are happening, different writings that you do not agree with and you feel like they are not grassroots anymore. So those people most likely directed their votes to uh, the uh, Wildrose Independence Party. There's, a, the, there's also the name factor. Yeah, A lot of people saw Wildrose Party. Oh, hey. A lot of people vote by parties. They do not vote by candidates. And the other one is um, some people, uh, they would have vote. So some people would have voted for Gene, but they weren't sure. So they decided to still vote conservative. And the de facto became the Wild Rose Independence Party because the Wild Rose is a name that is well known as a party so i think that name played a lot into um 
the results last night, but I think that the dissatisfaction with Mr. Kenny and the party as a whole played a huge, huge, um, was a key player in that as well. I find it fascinating. Like I was, I was curious how that one was gonna was gonna end up because on one hand, um, you know, Brian Jean's name's on the ballot, and if you take a look at at who was the the most recent big gun before the the Wild Rose Party before it folded into the UCP, it was Brian Jean. Um, so it's it's interesting to me. I you know I'm, I'm curious how many of the people looked at the ballot and went, ah, oh, Wild Rose, I, I like them. Oh, wait, Brian Jean. Ah, what do I do now? <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, it's so interestingly enough on the panel last night, somebody said, oh, the Wild Rose Independence Party is taking votes away from the NDP. I was like, no, no, they're not. I don't think that's where they're moving. No, that, 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 that's not what we're seeing here. And that's not what's happening. Um, even if nothing makes sense these days and polling and everything else. Um, but no, this was not the case. Um, the name, I think the name played a big favor. And there's a lot of people who are tired out there of the UCP as a whole and how they're behaving right now. Um, hasn't been pretty the past few weeks. It hasn't. Um, it seems like, though, that, that, you know, one of the things that a lot of people have sort of predicted or worried about or what have you is the notion that if um, the the UCP continue on in the course, they will. We're going to see so many people jumping over to the NDP. And it doesn't look like that happened. The the showing for the NDP candidate, despite the fact that there were some pretty heavy hitters who went up there to campaign for her, um, the the showing for the NDP, NDP candidate was quite, uh, let's go with tepid, um, just over a thousand votes, 18.5% of the votes. Uh, what, what happened there? Why, like, a, I mean, there's two questions that I'm trying to, I guess, navigate. So the first one is, wh- why didn't the the NDP vote mobilize? And secondary to that, um, where did the NDP supporters go if they weren't going to mobilize? I think that this election... So, okay, I'm going into full speculation here. Okay. Let's uh, take my my tinfoil hat and put it on. I would say that the NDP voters might have stayed home as they are seeing Mr. Jean as the great disruptor for Mr. Kenny. Okay. Interesting. Um, I would say that there is also voter fatigue. There is COVID fatigue and everything in between. And we all know that uh, NDP voters are more uh, COVID conscious and all that. Um, and really, really, like, I, I see that by election as a referendum on Mr. Kenny. Okay. Um, because uh, Mr. Gene did not hide his intention. He, he was probably all packed, ready to go this morning. He was probably sitting on the steps at the ledge, uh, waiting for them to open the doors and start working. Um I think that a lot of people just sat that one out because it is not the general election. It is a by-election. Mr. Gene is the great 
disruptor for the party and some people would like to see a little bit more action this week with the UCP. Well, that's that. And that brings us to Mr. Gene. And this is where the the subtext and the the background and all of the other spinning wheels in Alberta politics get so, so, so um, interesting. Um, the the reality is, is that Brian Gene has been part of. I mean, he's, his team has clearly said that, that he's not part of the, the Take Back Alberta movement, but he has been quite public about endorsing candidates, all of whom, for UCP nominations, all of whom have been uh, rejected using, mm-hmm. I'm going to say, questionable logic by the, the, the party powers that be. Um, they have been, quite frankly, hypocritically rejected. Um, by the UCP, we saw yesterday that uh, one of the appeals was rejected um, just because reasons, I guess. Um, but Mr. Gene, you know, it's interesting that you call Mr. Gene the great disruptor because he's going to be disruptive on more than a couple of fronts. He's going to be disruptive on the front of he very clearly has an agenda at his uh, acceptance speech or his victory speech last night. Um, he was already going in to Premier Kenny and saying, look, uh, you know what the right thing is to do here, Jason? You've got to step back. You've got to get out of the way. Um, the The reality is, is that he is going to continue campaigning against uh, Jason Kenney from inside the party, which has some really, and we've talked about this before on the show, the, the way that this thing could sort of shatter off uh, the, there's so many really fascinating outcomes that could come from this. What do you think, before we get too far into, into speculating on those, mm-hmm. what do you think, um, if, if you were advising Mr. Kenny and he said, Sarah, damn it, Gene got elected. <laughs> <laughs> I tried to do everything I could. He still got elected. What do I do now? What do you what do you tell him? Well, the first thing is that you get Mr. Gene in the office ASAP. And you sit down with them, you get your chief of staff to call him up and have discussions with them and you keep your enemies closer. So um if I would be Mr. Kenny, um, you know, I would be putting Mr. Gene um in the front row, not too far from him. Maybe give him a post a cabinet post or a secretary position or something um, or an associate minister position um, to try to. uh, So that would be one way to try to uh, whip um, Mr. Gene in terms. So because the other option that we could see, well, I'm getting into speculation now, too. Well, you never taking this info hat off. So let's just no. Have, so, have some fun so I'm going in strategies and uh, speculations, but uh, one thing that could happen as well is that a lot of uh, MLAs are extremely unhappy with Mr. Gene couldn't cross the floor, and we need to keep that in mind. That would weaken Mr. Kenny's Mr. Kenny's position as much as he would, as much as it could. Um, well, we've we've talked about that possibility in the past yeah, because but, the reality is is that Mr. Gene is now in a position 
that uh, I mean, we heard uh, I want to say back in December, he said cautiously in the run up to December that Mr. Gene was actually uh, having conversations with one of the poorer performing parties about potentially uh oh, no, sorry, back in august yeah uh, yeah back in august yeah potentially so, taking over and was was declined so he clearly wants a a party that he can leverage against kenny if it can't be the ucp we've speculated in the past that he's now in a position where he only needs two other mlas by which to form his own conservative party yeah so mr gene is in a very very favorable position right now um we are seeing that there's a little bit of panic on the well, a lot actually on the on the mr kenny's clan um side of things to um call for voters and get everybody to rally and really get the uh, get out the vote for his leadership on april 9th but a lot can happen between now and april 9th Mr. Jean, realistically, Mr. Jean could rally the uh, rural caucus with him and cross the floor. Realistically, they could do that. Now, or to be it, clear, when we're saying cross the floor, we're not talking about him going to the NDP no, not or to another the NDP. party. We're talking about a new party. Yeah. So there's already Mr. Barnes um, sitting over there. Um, with uh, who Lowen. was it? Lowen. Yes, thank you, Lowen. Um, with Mr. Lowen. Um, so there could be. So you need four people to be an official party. Am I right? I think it's three. Three or four elected. I'm gonna have to check. But so that is a very very strong possibility, and that could bring the fracture of the UCP way before the leadership vote. So many things could happen leading up to April 9th. Like all the cards are on the table right now. So let's flip the script. If you were advising, so that's, if, if you were advising Mr. Kenny, you'd say, put him somewhere nice, but not too dangerous. Make, make it, make it at the very least seem like you guys are, are, are being friendly and working towards a, a, a somewhat common goal in some regards. Yeah. If you were advising Mr. Gene, given that he said one of his goals is to get rid of Mr. Kenny as leader, what would you advise him? There's a few things you can do. Um, so again, um, you could do something extremely dramatic, rally whomever's behind you and cross the floor. So I'm just looking at the exact seat count from the NDP right now. Uh, sorry, because I need to remember how many MLAs they have. Seat count, Alberta. Sorry, I sound really, really uh, unprepared. But so right now, so let's say Mr. Gene gets 16 UCP members to cross with him. Okay. That would bring the seat count of the UCP at 36. If Mr. Gene brings even more, he could potentially topple the UCP. Let's keep that in mind. But would Mr. Gene, I mean, Mr. Gene's whole thing, and he said this last night, his yeah. whole thing is 
good God, we can't have the yeah. the NDP in government. So do you think, Mr. Gene, like if he does a sizable party split right now? Well, there's the thing. He's going to have to rebuild trust. So Mr. Gene's going to have to sit one out for a little bit to rebuild the trust, A, in the MLAs, B, with the provincial electorate. A lot of people have lost faith into our premier and the party right now. So Mr. Gene, and who knows, let's say Mr. Kenny survives the next three weeks, goes into uh, leadership, doesn't go through, an interim's being appointed, um, race is called for September, a vote is called for September, which really wouldn't make any sense because the conservative leadership vote is in September as well. Um, and then what if Brian Jean loses? Well, he could lose. He, he could lose. He uh, could I lose. Mean, we, we, we've certainly seen leadership races not go to, to Mr. Jean's favor for a variety of reasons. Yep. So a lot, like I said, a lot of things, it's either he needs to be aggressive and be willing to sit it out. I think that the best option for Mr. Gene would just be to create his own party. I do not see it possible. I do not see the UCP electorate electing him as leader. He would, he would be more successful into uh, creating his own party again because we so let's not forget with the UCP being as big tent as it is there's a lot of P old PCs in the gang will the old, old PCs follow suit that would be interesting to see so no matter what we are seeing right now we are seeing a party that is extremely hurt and fractured and we need to sit down Look at all the options and be they need to be extremely careful into the next steps they are willing to take. Because it's one thing to take down your leader and be the great disruptor, if you want, of the party. There's it's another thing being elected as the leader of said party. It's true. We've got a, uh, a guest who I'm going to see if uh, they're they're willing to share some some thoughts. I would love to hear some thoughts. Um, we've got one of our listeners. I'm just going to see if I can convince them to uh, tap in for even just a quick sec. Um, there's a, a gentleman named Mr. Tim Hoven, who is one of the disqualified UCP candidates. Tim, if you're willing to share just a few thoughts um what do you make of the what's your takeaway from this race from brian jean's race yeah well it's going to be really interesting how mr kenny responds to it um you know the ball's in his court right now uh how he reacts is going to define what all brian jean supporters are going to put up with for the next two or three weeks until the april the 9th now i'm, I'm curious if i can if i can bug you as well sure um I just want to make sure because we received a DM yesterday, yes. uh, as as we tend to do here, uh, <laughs> that uh, that said that your appeal to the to the UCP, which by the way I have to say the the Faith Goldie bit that was that was Goldie. Uh, <laughs> oh yeah, okay. 
Um, now, just to confirm, I mean, hear it straight from the horse's mouth, which might not be the best of, of choice of words considering who you were potentially running against. Right. Did the UCP uh, decline your appeal? I will just pull up the message. They uh, discussed what well, I was notified from uh, Dustin at there at the party. Yeah, that the board discussed my appeal, but there were no motions brought forward to overturn the disqualification. That was the phrasing they used. That's a very so, clever phrasing. <laughs> yeah, so I'm officially out of the nomination challenge. Okay, um, what, are you considering running? Like, let's if you don't mind playing a hypothetical game here. Just we'll call it a thought exercise. You're not committed to any answers. We'll go down okay. that road. Um, are you still looking at the possibility of running, whether it be as an independent, whether it be with the Brian Jean party, whether it be uh, if Brian Jean gets leadership of the UCP? Is that something that's still on your radar? When I decided to run uh, February the February the 10th, I guess it was, I, I was doing this for what I believe is good for the province. And I've been very public in my displeasure of Mr. Kenny and uh, his group of enablers, which includes my MLA, Mr. Nixon. Um, I guess I've got all my options open now, and it, it's really what's going to be best for the province. Okay, fair enough. Are you are you going to be at the the leadership review on uh, April 9th, if if it goes ahead? Because we're hearing all kinds of fascinating rumors about that as well. Well, I've, I purchased my ticket. I finally got confirmation of it, I believe, yesterday. So I will be there, yes. Excellent. And I'm trying to bring every supporter I have in this constituency there with me. And, you know, I've been trying to convince them to vote no to Mr. Kenny, but it's a free country and they have to make the decision on what kind of leadership they want going ahead in the future. But we want to have a, a massive turnout at that event. Yeah. Mr. Alvin, Mr. Hoven, can I ask you a question? Sure, Sarah. Uh, um, I'm just wondering, would it be fair to say that your supporters are north of 2,000? I'm, I'm sorry, you caught out the, there for a sec. Sorry. The, you've got your, real internet out your, here. Your, your number of supporters, would it be fair to say that it's well north above 2,000 supporters? Right now, it is not. Okay. Uh, there were about, I'm uh, just going from memory, about 1,700 members on the official membership list. Yeah. And we had the numbers to to win this race. Yeah. Okay. So, okay. Okay. And can I ask you also another question? Because I'm, I I know, um, I know you through, um, well, the nomination drama i never really heard of you before Um, and i'm just trying to really understand so i'm a mom i'm a strategist i live in calgary um my baby's 18 months um and you know i'm just really trying to see where you stand on everything that's happening right now on um the covid stance and how to protect you know, my kid is not able to get vaccinated right. um, to protect herself, and she does not have the capability of wearing a mask right now. Um, what do you say to those parents that are really struggling to making choices right now? What, 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 what? How do you how do you stand on those stances to protect the little ones? 
this COVID situation is, uh, well, on the one hand, it's out of control, yep. right? It's a virus. We can't control the virus. No. It, uh, in the words of uh, Alex Berenson, you know, a virus is going to virus. So what you have to do, Sarah, is you as a mom have to make the best decisions for your family. Yeah. And right now we're still guessing on the best way to do it. You can find lots of information that say masks were or masks are going to save us. Then you can find other information that says masks are not going to save us. Mm -hmm. So who knows? So it comes down to you as an individual figuring out what's best for you and your family and then acting on it. Yeah, because I'm just wondering because we we know that, um, you know, COVID has a long-term effect. Um, can it have a long-term effect on the brain? Can it have long-term yep. effect? You know, and I'm just trying, I'm just thinking about our next generation who will be taking care of us yep. and how, uh, I'm sorry, but not try to not to brain damage that generation literally and to try to keep our society being functioning and prosperous and, you know, have the next generation healthy to support and advance, uh, you know, Alberta. So I'm just sitting here and I'm really trying to see what we can do about it because the the damages are real. Um, Long COVID is real. Um, So I'm just, I'm just sitting there as a mom and I'm like, I'm looking at all of this and I'm just worried about the next generation on how everything's going to be managed on the healthcare cost wise, on a workforce wise, and how as a whole, the province will be, you know, what is going to look like in 40 years with that generation that maybe could potentially um, get COVID be fine or also get COVID and, you know, be severely handicapped and, you know, bring a generation that is really struggling. That's, that's just where I'm sitting that I'm struggling with and I'm trying to figure it out, I guess. Um, I'm a nurse by training. Um, I was just curious to see what your sense was on it, but thank you. You know, I'm a big believer in, uh, in debate. I'm a big believer in discussion and that's the only way you get closer to the truth. Uh, a scientist should say something and then people should argue with them and the bad ideas will fall off to the side. The good ideas will rise to the top and we kind of we come to some kind of consensus as a community. And then someone will challenge that thought and we will keep going forward one step at a time. And hopefully in the end, we'll be in a better position. But as soon as people move to to limit debate and say the science is settled, when clearly we can see that the science wasn't settled, settled, that's where the problems come up. We need, if I can, we need more debate and more discussion about these things. Can I ask? Can I ask the question this way, Mister Hoven? Sure. Um, and and I. I have to be honest, I agree with a good chunk of what you've said there. I guess the question that, that I'd like to, to know is, is let's, again, thought exercise, so totally not held to the answer. Um, but let's say that you were in Jason Kenney's cabinet. Um, and, you know, we've heard speculation, and I need to be very, very clear that it has been speculation. But we've heard speculation that Mr. Kenney and the cabinet have received advice from the chief medical officer of health saying, this is what you need to do. And Mr. Kenny has said, thanks for the input. This is what I want to do. Right. Is, is that the kind of governance that you would want, that you would get behind, or would you want to see more robust debate? 
there has to be more robust debates, right? The solution to bad democracy is more democracy, not less democracy. I've heard directly from uh, the mouths of many MLAs how just about every decision from that COVID cabinet was based on politics, not on science. Mm-hmm. And we need to focus back on on what the truth of the matter is. And, you know, the province had a, an opportunity to to try different things. And the only solutions they had were lockdowns and masks and provax. And that's all good. But surely the decision they made back at the beginning of this, uh, there must have been some learning and some way to um, to try new things. Right. Um, we've talked to many people who have just their families have been destroyed by these political decisions. We, uh, I talked to this one woman who wasn't allowed to be close to her husband as he was dying in the hospital because of COVID. Well, that's that's I don't even know the right word. It's traumatizing. It's it's inhumane to do that to people. I think that there's there's certainly an argument to be made. Like, I think in situations where. Um, the there's a risk of spread. Uh, there's certainly value in making sure that we have protections in place. But I do, I do, I don't disagree with you. The way that that we navigated families being able to to visit their dying loved ones, uh, mm-hmm. and the way that we navigated families being able to make the choice as to whether or not they were willing to put their their lives at risk in order to say goodbye to someone. I think there's ways that we yeah. could have navigated that, that for a variety of different reasons, we, we A, chose not to, and, and B, didn't. Um, I would, I would really, um, I would really appreciate the opportunity if I can, if I can send you a DM after, after this show, I would love to have a conversation with you getting more into sort of your, your views, uh, and as well, sort of the story of, of, of your campaign, if that'd be something that you'd be open to. I'd be very interested in that. So just send me a DM and, and we can set that up. I, do I will have to go now. I'm a month behind in my business because it was just focusing on this campaign and I got to get back to work. So thank you very much. Absolutely. Thank, thank you. you. Well, there we go. We just heard from the, 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 I'm going to use the same joke twice, the horse's mouth. Um, <laughs> and, you know, the one thing that, I, that I'll say, and I'm definitely looking forward to having a conversation with Mr. Hoven and doing a standalone episode on his experiences and his views. Uh, the one thing that I'll say is I think that, that that brief little conversation underscores the fact that a lot of the ways that people have been represented and people have, their views have been represented, have been hyperpolarized and maybe aren't as accurate. And that's one of the reasons why i'm really excited to be able to have an in-depth conversation with him so i'm sending that dm right now but back to the by-election one of the other questions that i wanted to ask you sarah is yes where do you think jason kenny supporters went with the by-election or did they just stay at home Uh, i would like to say they stayed home uh, there's a lot of people that didn't even know that the vote was happening yesterday, apparently. Um, that by-election has been so awfully muted. Can we use muted? I think or so. cancelled. That works too. Yeah. Um, like I said, I strongly believe that that by-election was a referendum on Jason Kenney. Nothing else. Um, the well, people... 
you know, maybe the people that, but it's like, if you don't like Jason Kenny, but you like the UCP, you're going to vote for Brian Jean. And if you like the UCP and Jason Kenny, you want them to stay in power, you're going to go and get Brian Jean. Um, I, I'm sorry. I don't have an answer for that. <laughs> it's so ambiguous. And, you know, I would have to pick up the phone and call um, a sample up there to see really what happened. Or maybe some polling could be done up there to see which proportion is supporting Mr. Gene and his message and which proportion was supporting Mr. Kenny. But I would say um, the turnout was so abysmal that the ones that came out really wanted to vote against Mr. Kenny was not his supporter. Fair enough. What do you think we're going to see? Let's let's we got 15 minutes left. Mm-hmm. Let's wait. And we've, we've had some some exciting turns in this this little episode that I wasn't expecting. So hurry for that. Um, yeah. What do you see happening? What should people be looking for? Do you think in the next week Because presumably we're going to see Brian Jean show up in the legislature uh, fairly soon here, if not today, within the next couple of days, I imagine. Um, what, what are the the next big moves that you, you think people should be watching for? Well, I, I can't wait for today's uh, uh, tomorrow's cabinet meeting. It's going to be lit. <laughs> Caucus meetings going to be amazing. I wish it could be a fly on the wall. Um, I'm I'm expecting a little bit more aggressiveness in Mr. Kenny's messaging. He's going to be entering in full blown campaign mode. I'm expecting we're going to see promises right, left, and center for the next little while. He's going to try to buy his way back in with electoral promises. I highly suspect that Mr. Kenny will be using his platform and not necessarily using his position, but he's going to try to sweeten the deal to see like, here, this is all that I'm willing to do for you and take it from there. Do you, do you think he'll be able to solve his volunteer problem? Nah. <laughs> nah. Nah. That's fair. No. No. Yeah. Uh, for anybody who, who missed 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 that little little joke, there we got uh, a DM yesterday that provided us an email that was apparently sent out, reportedly sent out to uh, staffers in government, uh, saying, "Hey, there's a bunch of people who haven't signed up to do phone banking yet. You know, you should probably do that." Um, it was a, it was a very very passive aggressive uh, little little effort. Um, and and somebody wonderfully decided to send it to us. It would be interesting to see, like, if heads will roll if someone has not signed up to do phone banking. It'll be curious, that's for sure. Um, Can't wait to see, because Call Hub is quite sophisticated, and you can see how many calls someone did, and if they even signed in to the system. We shall see. Well, I noticed. I noticed that the uh, the link that was in that email is now uh, is now dead. Uh, I think that that there were a few folks that were like, "Hey, we're going to go sign up for shifts," and uh, I don't think that that was necessarily appreciated. Thoughts or, and prayers. Thoughts and prayers. Um, let's just do it for real quick for yeah. the top. Let's do the top four parties, um, and we'll work our way up to the top again. Top five, uh, so that we can include the Alberta Party because. Uh, they, no, no. 
Well, I, I want to get your thought on this because the Alberta Party did have a not insignificant showing in the last provincial election. What advice would you give? And we'll work our way up from the Alberta Party. What advice would you give the Alberta Party for what they should do after getting 98 and 1.7% of the votes in this by-election? You know, I, I strongly believe that it is important to have multiple parties. It is extremely important to have different voices. But now maybe would be the time to maybe talk with the Alberta Liberals and see what they can do together. Because if they keep in their stance of, no, we're going to keep what we're going to keep doing now, they're not going to make it to the next election. Like, I, um, I was getting uh, some intel that, you know, I was like, well, are they, you know, even, you know, contemplating a snap or are they contemplating an earlier election? They have their eyes set on March 2023. And that's it. I think I think they need to be a little bit more adventurous in their tactics and really try to lay out a real strategy instead of just kind of just being there because they're not going to be able so for them the best thing to do for them is to focus on five or six really really good candidates and really put their efforts towards those six writings not present candidates anywhere else and try to regain party status at the ledge okay i i think that's what they should do first baby steps would you say the same thing to the liberals the liberals are the liberals they've always been that way um unfortunately nick taylor passed last year there's it's it's done okay that they haven't figured out a leader in how long now uh, it's been a little while i think so we're coming up to two years now i think they yeah their interim leader yeah no it's, it's done okay what would you say to whippa whippa's gonna be interesting to watch whippa it's 10% of the vote. So I'm going to have to look because the polling gave WIPA a showing of around 3% from what I saw in different polls. Um, like I said, there's a little bit more conservatives, conservatives, conservatives up north. Um, but I think WIPA, we need to keep it under the radar because WIPA could be a split voter. And we. I would love to see a sample, let's say, if a by-election would be held today, let's say in Cartston, what would WIPA's, how would WIPA do? That would certainly be interesting. It's yeah. also, you know, I can't help but look at their their 10% and compare that to the, the voter turnout. It was my assumption, based on absolutely no evidence whatsoever, uh, would be that the folks that are going to vote WIPA are the folks that are super fired up, super engaged. I'd be willing to bet there's some convoy donations in there. Um, and I wonder if the the voter, like I bet all the WIPA voters who were going to be WIPA voters, I bet they all showed up. And so I wonder if the NDP or the UCP were able to drive some more of their supporters to the polls. I think that 10.8 would probably have ended up, you, you might have seen the number go up to 700 votes in total, but I think that the percentage would have been much more closer to, to the polling. Yeah, well, and also, um, let's say if election is held in Carson tomorrow morning. Um, let's not forget in Southern Alberta, Kenny's the stats is 60% want Kenny gone. Mm -hmm. 
So I think Whippa would be a good solution for them. I think Whippa is going to be, if Jason Kenny stays in rain, the Whippa is going to be the alternative. Well, it'll be interesting to see. Uh, unless, yeah. unless, of course, Mr. Gene forms his own party, in which case there will be another alternative alternative we shall what, see what do the ndp need to do here because there was a lot of speculation and i mean you 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 were you were quite optimistic when we chatted last about the I was, possibilities. I, was, I had hope and it, it it did not no materialize what do they need to do coming out of this not only in fort mcmurray lack the with a provincial election coming up in just around a year or less uh what did they need to do to I, I guess blunt the the impact that only eighteen point five percent does to their provincial narrative. Yeah, well, I I was talking to a few people after the election, and um, the NDP showing is not a big surprise to anyone. Um, I was maybe overly a little bit too optimistic um, because I was looking at the last by election results. And like I said before, really, uh, the NDP couldn't do anything this time because really, like I said, it was the referendum on Kenny. So even if they would have showed like an all-star candidate up there, I think we would have have seen, sorry, seen quite similar results. Um, that by election was the anti-Kenny by election, right? Um, so they will have to uh they're gonna have to work on the strategies next few months really uh focus on their messaging um miss notney needs to be more assertive when she's um now talking and she needs to show that she is the premier and waiting now how are they going to execute that who knows um but it's going to be uh, i would Keep an eye on the NDP's messaging over the next few months to see how everything's going to turn out. It's okay. going to be interesting to watch. And I, yeah. Last but certainly not least, what advice would you give to the? Because I mean, there's there's the the UCP. Whether or not you want to, whether or not they want to admit it, there are now three distinct factions, at least operating within the UCP in regards to, to this race. We have Brian Jean and, and team Brian Jean. We have Jason Kenny and team Jason Kenny. And then we have the UCP as a party and a party board. And while the messaging from the, the UCP party, certainly in their, uh, the emails that they've been sending out seems to be very, we stand behind Jason Kenny. What advice would you give each of those three in how to, uh, handle, amplify, negate, the the results of of this by-election what does brian jean do what does jason kenny do and what does the ucp as a party do well i think that the ucp as a party should have a meeting without their leader in the room okay um you know a good open-hearted one you know a good honest conversation without the bus in the house i think that that could be quite eye-opening on the true feelings um, of a lot of MLAs right now. Um, I would say to Mr. Kenny, uh, keep Mr. Gene close, give him something to keep him busy because he's going to be working against you. So you need to give him a position as much as people wouldn't like that. I think Mr. Kenny should appoint him into cabinet 
to keep his hands busy until leadership. Now, uh, Mr. Jean, well, Mr. Jean has been so clear in his intention. Mr. Jean is not doing this for the party. I think there's a lot of payback happening right now from Mr. Jean's side. Okay. A lot. Um, you know, the way how, uh, you know, the PC and the, the Wild Rolls merger and then um, all of the issues with the voting um, in 2017 and now on. And um, But here's the thing. Mr. Jean has never held any positions of importance, really. Other, other than party leader for the Wild Rose. Yeah, well, you know, I could be party leader of the Sarah party, and that doesn't mean anything, right? That's he right. he doesn't have any, um, he has some federal experience, that didn't finish his mandate, um, provincial experience, didn't finish his mandate. Um, I would I would be a little worried about having Mr. Jean as a premier. I'm not sure how I feel about that one. I would be a little worried. Um, does need change to happen? And is the UCP starting to show that they want change? Absolutely. Is Mr. Jean the solution? Not really. Um, keep organizing, Mr. Jean, and we'll see who would win the leadership. Because I think we could be in for a huge surprise. Do I think that Mr. Jean would get elected as leader? I think the party would fracture before that. Well, I think one of the things that, that, that we haven't really talked about that I want to get into on our live on Sunday is a little bit more speculation, because I don't think if there's a leadership race for the UCP, um, I don't think it's going to be just Jason Kenney and just Brian Jean. I think that I can think of two or three other names that we'll talk about on Sunday that yeah. uh, I think could present a much more viable option. Oh, viable. I was like reaching for the word uh, and viable is exactly the perfect word there. Um, anything else to add to the by-election before I do a plug for the episode that we just dropped today? No, I, okay. you know, uh, there's no big surprise. Um, it is what it is. And um, guys, let's keep an eye on everything that's going to be happening because the next three weeks are going to be quite intense. Definitely. Yeah. So before we go, I just want to mention the fact that we did drop a brand new full length episode today where we sat down with Dr. Angela Grace and we talked about a province wide protest that's going to be going on on April 2nd against the proposed UCP curriculum called Ditch the Draft. Um, we've done more than a few episodes where we've talked about the concerns that a lot of people have in regards to the proposed UCP curriculum, ranging from it being uh demonstrably not factual to it having harmful implications from a wellness standpoint to it being in parts straight up racist uh and so if you're someone who's concerned about that if you're someone we've seen that one of the things that mr kenny listens to the most isn't necessarily emails or letters it's when there's a big public showing 
And that public showing is big enough that it gets media and that it, it gets a lot of coverage and it negatively impacts how people perceive him and his leadership. So there's a group of people who are putting together this grassroots protest on April 2nd. Uh, really encourage you to, to take a listen to the episode that we, we dropped. Really encourage you to visit their website at www w.ditchthedraft.ca because not only are they providing all of the reasons for the protest, but they're also providing basically uh, packages that anybody can use to put together a protest in their area if you don't live in one of the major uh, municipalities in Alberta. They're going to be having protests in Calgary, in Edmonton, in Red Deer, in Lethbridge, in Grand Prairie, uh, and there's a couple other places. The whole list is on their website. Uh, and if your town isn't on that list, then they'll give you all the tools that you need in order to have your own little protest or rally or whatever you want to call it where you live. Time to clear the room. If you like or if you appreciate the kind of content that we're trying to produce here at The Breakdown, please consider signing up to be one of our Patreon supporters at www.patreon.com slash thebreakdownab. We are only, last I looked, four Patreon supporters away from the goal of 60 that will see us send uh, a contingent of folks to the special general meeting slash leadership review on April 9th. And Lord knows with gas, gas prices being what they are, we need all the help that we can get to get up there. So if that's something that you'd like to see happen, please consider signing up at our Patreon site. Sarah, anything to add before we wrap it up? No, it's Wednesday. Tomorrow's St. Patrick's. So I'm going to be like that parent that is going to dress her kids green because I can. I'm working tomorrow, and now that you've said that, it's going to suck so much. So thanks for ruining my day. <laughs> no worries. I'm sorry. Green beer galore. Oh, it's it's not the green beer that I'm worried about, Sarah. It's the green vomit. I um, know. I'm sorry. <laughs> all right. We will see everybody back here on Sunday at 8 o'clock, and we're going to be taking down all of the events of the week. Thank you again so much, Sarah. Hey, no worries. See you Sunday. Okay, bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Yeah, bye.